0: Hey, welcome to the podcast. Um, We kind of started a a little differently than I thought we would. Um, As soon as I opened up the mic today on the podcast, some stuff started spilling out. Also, we have Cheryl Atkinson, who is a five-time Emmy Award winner, the, you know... Edward R. Murrow, award winner several times, you know, they hate her now because, well, she investigated the truth during the Obama administration about um, uh, uh, Benghazi and and also uh, Fast and Furious and others. But then she said that the government was spying on her. And of course, we all know that's impossible until she just filed another lawsuit. Now, she says, she has five people who were part of it in the government. We give you that and so much more, including Steve Dace. As we try to figure out who's going to be president, he makes some bold predictions. Who's going to be the president? Who's going to be the the presidential, Democratic presidential nominee and vice presidential nominee? And also, um, I get to announce, uh, thank,
1: thankfully, yeah. a wonderful new program Ooh. called Stew Does America. Because wow. that's what the people need right now. Ooh. Stew to do America. You know, America's <laughs> made out of you, and I want to do you. So we're that here. That is beautifully put. Oh, man. <clears throat> subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts, like right here, where you are right now. Why not stop right now? And go to search for Stu Does America and just click subscribe because that makes you a better person. It makes Glenn upset, so oh, both of those things him. are good. And you should do that right now. New show starting uh, in full, full in February, uh, five nights a week. So
0: lots of too much to do for you. Always too. about him. Help me, I'm on fire. Put me out. <laughs> Here's today's podcast.
1: You're listening to
2: the best of the Glenn Beck program.
0: So we're going to get to uh, Iran here in just a second. Iran is it's it's quite amazing how the media seems to just be pushing all of this still. Uh, In fact, let's play uh, Alison Camerata from CNN. Listen to what what they're still doing.
3: Are you surprised that Soleimani's death seems to have united the people? We saw something like a million people turn out on the street there to commemorate him.
1: Well, I would dispute the premise that it has united the people, certainly not on the streets of Iraq. You would have to only believe Iranian state reporting to think that's true.
3: I I hear you, but we have seen with our own eyes the crowds, the crowd size that did turn out for Soleimani's funeral. Did that surprise you?
1: Well, and in one of the enduring ironies of life, we now have the Iranian supreme leader talking about crowd sizes in his own country.
3: Just to be clear, are you saying you don't believe the video of the million people who turned out for his funeral?
1: No, I, I have no doubt there are many in Iran uh, who are, are wailing at the death uh, of Soleimani.
0: It is amazing to me how we have a media and a democratic party that are so Lost to the people i don't even I don't even recognize them anymore. I don't think they recognize reality anymore. They don't see did you miss even I saw this this weekend. did you miss all of the video of the people that are on the streets that are chanting death to Khomeini? They don't want death to America. Where were your cameras this weekend? Where are you today? Where is the media? Where are the Democrats? It's truly remarkable how the Democrats have left, I think, even the Democrats behind. The Democratic Party has, has left the voters behind i i I don't know i don't know a single democrat like this i don't know a single democrat who is who is in as much denial as the democratic party leadership and cnn and the other media sources i spent the weekend with people who should have been in denial and weren't. On the toughest of things, only to return to work and see the media in absolute denial. Why? Why? What is it they're afraid of? The best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I want to play this clip from Rashida Tlaib and, and just, just ask, as a mom, how's she doing? Listen.
4: You know, my son Adam is literally my policy advisor. I'm not joking. If you ever met him, I mean, my team, everybody will tell you. It's like, oh, it's Adam speaking. You know, he's a person, he's like, I'm so tired, mom, of people saying capitalism is socialism. Why not peopleism?
2: No. You know, yeah.
4: He, yeah. he one time, I was in a meeting with Chairwoman Maxine Waters and two other colleagues about pushing this uh, amendment to stop fossil fuel investment. Us, the government, stop investing in fossil fuels. And he whispers to me, mom, can I have a piece of paper? And of course, he doesn't know how to whisper. Um, and I give him this piece of paper. You know, he sometimes likes the sketch. So I'm thinking, he's drawing over there. Before that meeting ended, he handed me the piece of paper. I had posted it. And he said, Mom, you got to tell him. He says, we only have until 2030. Like, he was giving me these talking points. (laughs) And at the end of the meeting, I put it up, and I share it to Chairwoman Waters and my colleagues. And she just smiled. And I thought to myself, God, if we could just clear the room and sometimes put kids in the room.
0: Yes. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> Her kid believes that 2030 we're done. Is you're bragging about that? What kind of hope does your child is your child growing up with? What kind of hope do they have if they believe the world is over in 2030? And by the way, New Year's Day 2031. What are they gonna think of you? This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hey, it's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. Cheryl Atkinson is investigative reporter. She's the host of Full Measure with Cheryl Atkinson. uh, And uh, she joins us now. Uh, Welcome to the program, Cheryl.
3: Why, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. So everybody said, well, not everybody, the press made you uh, look like a loon and a crazy person when you were reporting the facts on Benghazi. And then I'll never forget the video that you you took. Maybe you were in a hotel room or something. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but I remember you having on your phone tape of someone turning on your computer and I think deleting things from your computer. Was that what was happening?
3: Well, that was way after the initial forensics and discovery of the government intrusion on a third computer. Yes, while I was working, uh, there was a remote access and hyper quick deletion before my very eyes. Of something that is not possible to do by holding down a key yourself or anything like that. And yes, Media Matters launched an effort to talk to a supposed forensics expert who never looked at any of these computers who declared I was holding down my backspace key or that it was stuck. And therefore, none of the computer intrusion story was true. And it was all just, you know, sort of made up craziness. Mm-hmm. I don't I think and I don't think it took hold as much as they hoped. I mean, that was widely reported in the liberal press, but um, I do think most people understood we have and had the forensics that prove the government intrusion from the start, and now, as you said, we have a federal agent, former federal agent involved in the surveillance, who has uh, admitted being part of it and helped us with some information.
0: Okay, so tell me how that came about. How did you, how did you get this, how did this guy flip or this woman flip uh and and why
3: the lawsuit um that i fought for about six years at great expense with the government fighting every step of the way so i never got a page of discovery was ultimately Mm -hmm. dismissed last year with the main judge although there was a great dissenting judge who disagreed but the main judge saying i should have the names of the agents not just the forensic proof showing the government did it i needed to know the names of the people who were involved and We argued we can't do that unless we get discovery. So it was this horrible loop. Right. Um, But we put out sort of an all call for information because we were at a dead end, if that's what was required. And we were contacted by a number of people that had been vetted, not by me. So I have limited information, but my attorneys have been researching and vetting people for four to five months. And as for motivation, I don't know, except. It could be, you know, these are shady characters involved in doing this. You can imagine the federal agents would be willing to do illegal surveillance on lots of Americans, according to this information, not just me. That's all along why this was important. It wasn't because of me. But uh, one of the people we name in the lawsuit is a former Secret Service agent who is in prison for other government corruption already. So these are the kinds of people you're dealing with that you have to sort through the truth and sort through their information. And and my vetters think that they have very good information now. Will it be enough to convince the judge to let us open this case with the names? I don't know.
0: So, Cheryl, it would would be kind of uh, comforting to know that these were all rogue agents. Um, But do you believe that that is true? Is that what the evidence is showing you, that these might be all rogue agents, or was there coordination?
3: There was, according to our information, coordination out of a sort of a task force, you could call it, run out of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Baltimore at the time under then-U.S. Attorney Rod Rosenstein with a task force of people that included FBI, Secret Service, um, contractors that were tasked sometimes to ATF, DEA, Secret Service, and FBI. This is a group that, and I believe this is just my theory based on information I have from people who work on the inside. There are numerous dark groups that do work like this, totally outside the FISA process. I mean, people have asked whether FISA warrant should be approved, but we knew all along there was no FISA warrant on me. I had sources that told me that. So we knew all along that the spying on me was done outside the system entirely, sort of this extra legal system that happens, um, yes, I believe with the knowledge of important people inside the Department of Justice. Therefore, Glenn, we're at this loggerheads where no matter what we know, even if the guys bring themselves in handcuffs to me or to the government, or to the courts, if the Department of Justice doesn't want to hear it, doesn't want to prosecute themselves, it still goes nowhere unless there's, I guess, somehow enough public pressure for people to say do something.
0: So uh, the, the Justice Department, uh, I mean, we've lost... We've lost justice and intelligence in this uh, country in more ways than one. But those two departments, I think, are really, really screwed up. Uh, they were um, they were turning a blind eye uh, at at best. But I think the corruption starts at the very, very top. Is there any indication to you that? Any of this stuff, because I mean, Trump is 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 paying the price for this kind of corruption himself uh, right now. Is there any any clue that this stuff is going to be cleaned up? Is there anybody that is is ri- going to ride into the rescue here?
3: So far, sadly, no. I mean, nothing has changed for us in fighting our lawsuit at Department of Justice between the Obama administration and the Trump administration. The same people are still fighting it. They don't seem to care about the forensics, which, again, these are undeniable forensics. It's not something you can dispute as to whether the government software and the government's IP addresses were involved. They're still fighting it instead of doing the obvious, which they should say, boy, this is serious. We need to get to the bottom of who may have done this. They're, they're you know, in essence, covering up and obstructing. And I, I don't know what to do about that except to say that, in my view, there are still people in important places that don't want things like this to come to light. And I think that's in part because, as I said, this is way bigger than just the surveillance on me. Who cares about that other than me? But this was done, we believe, and our information says on hundreds of innocent U.S. citizens and other journalists. I just happen to have the intel contacts to get the forensics examined and prove it.
0: So tell me exactly what they were doing to you and what you think they might be doing to others?
3: They were around March of 2011, um, surveilling me, ATF agents who were involved in exposing the illegal fast and furious operation that the government had denied at first, moving weapons into a sovereign nation of Mexico into the hands of Mexican drug cartels. And they were ineffectively monitoring everything I did on my computer through government software proprietary only to the US government Intel agencies that we see in our computer in my computers while I was at CBS so they could monitor all my keystrokes. They got into the CBS program. CBS announced this by the way. there's not any disputing this that, you know the programs were their computers were infiltrated, not just my forensics, but we hired a separate forensics team at CBS that confirmed uh, the intrusions. And um, they were able to use Skype, you know, I don't use Skype anymore because I didn't know at the time it can be activated silently by government or government software. They can listen in on what your conversations are without you knowing it, and they can exfiltrate files through Skype, which they did. Um, they had which
0: means they can go word. in, which means they can go in and take files that you have on your computer that are not related to Skype and take them right. without you knowing.
3: Yes, right. They could remotely operate my computer at any given time. You know, They can set up an operation where they can access it as if they were sitting at your computer. I mean, all kinds of things, basically wanting to know, I assume, what I was working on, what I was about to report, and most importantly, what Obama officials or administration folks were talking to me and giving me the information that I was using to break stories with.
0: Who do you think this affects in the real world
3: what i think some people may miss about all of this is if they are there were three classified documents planted in my computer as well and planted, a lot how, wait a minute well, what do
0: you what do you mean planted in your well, the,
3: the forensics show that deep in my operating system in a place i didn't even know existed because i don't know that much about computers there were government classified documents that i didn't put there so the conclusion was that someone obviously put them there Are they trying to frame somebody for having supposedly given them to me so they could take action against an insider? I mean, who knows why they did that? But to all the people who say, I don't care if the government listens to me, and I do hear this because I don't do anything wrong. I don't have Mm -hmm. anything in there. Well, imagine the mischief that can occur if the government's not on your side or if there are bad actors inside the government who are willing to do bad things, you know, to make you look guilty or to make it seem like you've done something. Um, there's other information that's not in the complaint yet. That's very chilling um, that I don't want to talk about yet for legal reasons. But this kinds of stuff they were allegedly doing to me and other Americans would just, you know, it's even more chilling than what I've described. So and, and we should all be concerned.
0: And when do you file that?
3: Well, the complaint is filed. We'll get details and depositions and subpoenas and all of those things if if this case is allowed to move forward. And that's where I think a lot more information comes out.
0: How can the average person get involved and in help in this if they want to, Cheryl?
3: Well, I think if this had been paid more attention to, as well as some other red flags, we wouldn't have had the 2016 abuses. This is really important. If If these things aren't resolved, we're just going to expect more of the same. So I would say, can you tell the Trump administration, the Justice Department, tweet, say publicly, whatever you can do, don't sweep it under the rug. Don't let it be swept under the rug. Investigate this Baltimore task force that was conducting, allegedly conducting surveillance on hundreds of Americans and journalists and government whistleblowers and so on. You know, don't let it go away, regardless of what happens to my individual case. It's just too important.
0: Cheryl, thank you. Keep us up to speed on this. And thank you for all you're doing. And uh, I know what it's like to fight the government. And I don't think the average person, I mean, I, my eyes were were opened to a new reality when uh, I had to fight a, a lawsuit and the government had all of the information. And I happened to have been past all of the information, but the court wouldn't accept it. Um, Right. Unless it came from the government and the government wouldn't release it. Uh, And I mean, it's when they decide you're done, you're done.
3: Right. And they have unlimited tax money. I do have some advocates that have started on GoFundMe, a Fourth Amendment litigation fund, Cheryl Ackeson. That's the only way. I mean, I'm still like deep in a hole But they have spent millions of taxpayer dollars obstructing this. They can go on forever. You know, they can just do. Do as much as it takes. That's the sad part.
0: They can print money. You can't. Cheryl, thank you very much. Thank you. You bet. Investigative uh, reporter Cheryl Atkinson, uh, who has been under the thumb of the government for quite some time. This is stuff that if we don't stop it now, we don't stop it and we become Mexico or Russia And there are people, I can guarantee you, there are people on both sides of the aisle that don't mind this stuff because, yeah, they'll not use it for bad. It's just the other side. They've got to use it to stop the other side. I'm telling you, if we don't stop this stuff, if we don't investigate, if we don't clear our intelligence and justice department, we don't make it. And we become a very, very dark state this is the best of the glenn beck program like listening to this podcast if you're not a subscriber become one now on itunes and while you're there do us a favor and rate the show last thursday i met with a (laughs) friend of mine man my Thursday really kind of sucked um, I do this podcast with a friend I find out in the podcast that he had uh, he had died on the operating table I knew that he had some problems I didn't know he had died on the operating table and uh, find this out in the middle of this amazing podcast he just he wrote a book called love yourself like your life depends on it and uh Uh, And I think his his life did depend on it. And what he learned, I mean, he had already written this book, but he used what he wrote in this book to pull himself back from the darkness. It's quite amazing. Listen to this part of the podcast.
5: I went through some uh, really traumatic uh, surgery three months ago, uh, like and and, uh, I was basically dead. And where I bled to death, I was spraying blood everywhere after <laughs> surgery, after I was, as I was leaving the hospital, artery burst and I was spraying, br- spraying blood on everyone and basically oh bled to gosh. death and they had to grab me and shove me into an operating room and slash me open and go fix it Wow! to save my life. And literally it was the, it was that, that close. And so <clears throat> when I got out of the hospital, I was in an insane amount of pain because of when your blood builds up enough that it bursts out of your body, you know, it's not pretty. Right. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's like an oil well yeah, you know, coming I, out of you. I can't imagine. And um, you don't want to either. Sorry no. for the details. <laughs> yeah. You know? you pretty freaky. <laughs> and I was in, a level, I didn't know pain like this could exist. You know, like the level of pain I was in, because it was also in the lower abdominal area. There's a lot of nerves there. And so I was on, you name it, every kind of narcotic they uh-huh. gave me. You know, in uh-huh. the hospital, it was also IVs and pills and uh-huh. that. When I got out, the surgeon said to me, I had multiple surgeons, one of them said like, look, if there's anyone who qualifies for these drugs, it's you, you know? So don't worry, we'll keep giving you enough. We just have to call in prescriptions every time because of new laws. And a week into it, and you know, let me tell you, they're nice, they dull the pain, they kind of make you not care, you're just lying there. And also you're lying there incapacitated at home. And I realized a week into it, I run off cold turkey. Just cold turkey, why? because I turned in this manuscript for this book before I had gone to the surgery. expecting a basic elective surgery, I'll be out. And now the publisher was sending me the, the final proofs with the copy edits. And if, and as you know, when you're a writer, you care about every word and you want your words to be there, not the copy editor's word. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the material, realizing my mind wasn't there. If I was on these drugs, I couldn't give my all to this book. And so it was like, I realized, look, this was purpose. And that was that was bigger than pain. I would deal with pain. Forget the drugs. I need to be clear because I have purpose. And I think, and I realized looking at times in my life when, when I had, when I struggled with, when I was just like, okay, I'm going to go. I thought I was playing with drugs. You think you're playing? Mm-hmm. You know, you think you're stronger than them. That's also a very interesting thing. I always thought I was stronger at it. Mm-hmm. It won't, it won't destroy me. I'm different, mm-hmm. right? I will. I'll do it for a little while. I'll get out of it. No one will ever know, mm-hmm. you know. And no one ever really did, honestly, you know. Um, but for the, for the grace of God, here am I because I tried them all. and there. They, there's dangerous stuff out there, and I was. I think I was trying to destroy myself. And but those are the times where I think I didn't have purpose, where I was drifting. But if you have purpose, if you have a vision, if you have something you move towards that you think is bigger than you, for me, this putting this book out to the world, this book is so important. It's bigger than me. It belongs to the world. Whereas me, I'm going to be here for a certain amount of time. I almost left. I may leave again. (laughs) 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 But the book book was more important. So I had purpose. And I think with addiction, I've talked to some friends about it who've been through it. You know, we're talking about who've dealt with it. And it's like usually they were to beat addiction when they found something bigger than them. People can find faith. People can find something family you to find something you know whatever but it's got to be bigger than you
0: let me tell you that i know this to be true when i met with billy graham he said to me after i said what where is abraham lincoln where's the next george washington where's the where's the next billy graham and he said i think god's done with the superstars he said he wants the credit and he said, everybody is born for a reason. Everybody is here right now, and everybody is hearing what they're supposed to do. But so many might dismiss it. So many might think it's impossible, or they'll look for another way to do it, or they will look for someone to help them, and they'll be frustrated because they, are so, they think they're supposed to complete it when all they're really supposed to do is do exactly what they were meant to do. That purpose exists for all of us right now. We're all here for a reason. And there are ways now to connect like never before. I got something from a friend of mine who, our daughters are contemporaries. They're friends. They went to school together. They're they're, they're 13. She's 13, this, this girl, Ava Mabry. She's 13 years old. Same age as my daughter. And you want to talk about everybody has something they're supposed to do. Mark, her dad, sent this to me last week. And I've had it on repeat for the last few days because, boy, I really needed it. And I realized you might really need this. We're supposed to look for connections and just do what we're supposed to do. So let me do what I'm supposed to do today. This is a 13-year-old girl. She was discovered by somebody on YouTube uh, recently and um, said, can you come to Nashville? And the parents, my, my friends, picked up their house and moved to Nashville. And he just sent me this song by his 13-year-old daughter. Listen. Dear. All the same, just in different places, struggling with many of the same things. This ain't the same old prayer that I usually say, because things got real today. I found myself saying that this weekend. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Steve Dace joins us now from the frozen tundra. Uh, welcome to the program, Steve.
6: Good morning, guys. How are you?
0: Well, better than you are. We're not in Iowa, uh, <laughs> but neither is Cory Brook Booker. He's dropped out. Just happened.
6: This is uh, is the headline of a tree falls in the forest.
0: Yeah, um, exactly right. That's exactly. He, right. He,
6: he hasn't he hasn't been relevant in this race for months. And um, we could have multiple conversations why they would all be uncomfortable. So let's just say it's the same. A lot of it has to do with why Black Lives Matters is here in Iowa protesting Pete Buttigieg as
0: we speak. Uh, and, and tell me about that.
6: Well, you've got a confluence of events here, Glenn. And, you know, I've, I've worked in... Um, uh, ministerial cooperation between black and white churches here in Iowa uh, or, and and organizing uh, people in of different racial persuasions for common local political causes in the past so i have a limited amount of experience with this but it's far more experience than most whiteys have <laughs> yes and, reality, and and the reality is that um I don't know how else to put it, so I'll just put it very bluntly. Black America is just not down with the charge of the Light and the Loafers Brigade. They're just not down with it. And, and some of it is the, is, the, is the influence of the black church. If you go look at marriage amendments across the country, I mean, if you look at the way the, the marriage amendment performed in California, winning there, um, if you look at how it overperformed Mitt Romney in states like uh, Maryland uh, in 2012 in the election there, it's always with huge, overwhelming black voter support. So that's number one. The other reason is you have a hierarchical hierarchical rivalry here, where on the intersectionality meter, sexual uh, sexual behavior has replaced racial politics atop the food chain, the intersectionality food chain. And so, for a more leftist secular group like Black Lives Matter, that's a major issue. Where they're in the back of the, pardon the expression, they're in the back of the Democrat Party bus right now. I mean, on the same day that the Supreme Court did its first decision in favor of so-called gay marriage that same week it, voted, it got rid of the Voting Rights Act of 1964. And so you've got this tug-of-war going on in the left between these two groups, and Pete Buttigieg is right at the epicenter of this. And that's, and that's why you're seeing he has zero black support in states like South Carolina. That's because of the black church there. And in Iowa, that's why you see Black Lives Matters is coming here. It's because he represents a special interest group that has replaced them in the, in the left hierarchy.
1: Do you see any, Steve, you know, the Cory Booker thing is fascinating to me in that, like, the media seemed to really love him. They kept saying what a great job he was doing in these debates. And now, look, I'm not in the demographic here of Democratic voters, so maybe I'm missing things, but I always found him to be very creepy. Uh, and strange, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it didn't seem like anybody ever gave him uh, a shot here. And as you point out, in these sort of intersectionality Olympics that that are going on, in the Democratic Party—they're all saying they want more diverse candidates, but they all seem to be voting for anyone but.
6: Everybody wants diversity, if it's their version of diversity. And the thing with Cory Booker is, um, he—if he were a candy bar, it would be called what you ma call it. Um, there have been rumors about his sexuality, about his personality, about all kinds of things, and I think the fact that he just didn't satisfy check any particular box in any of those in any of those components is why he committed the cardinal sin of politics, and that is the number one thing every politician has to do first and foremost is you have to build a base. It can be a small and devoted one. It can be a big one. But you need a base that provides you the infrastructure to grow as a candidate, both from a support mechanism uh, and then a word of mouth mechanism and then a legitimacy mechanism. And he just never did that. Um, He was sort of a cornucopia candidate Uh, and he never satisfactorily for a lot of people addressed the issues of his sexuality. He says he has a girlfriend named Rosario Dawson, the actress, but you've never seen him together. He's never addressed that. He doesn't really address racial issues all that much. Um, except in the one debate with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, did it actually better? Uh, it's just, you know, what is he? What was he as a candidate? What, what, what base in this party did he represent? And the answer to not to be none of them.
0: Let me uh, go to your predictions uh, for the election. Uh, they're pretty bold, uh, in fact, because they're so specific. You say prediction uh, in your top 10, number eight four different people will win the first four states in the Democratic presidential primary to set a free-for-all for the nomination. It's never happened before. Explain it. That,
6: that's Yeah, that's never happened before. There's a couple times you've had people, three different people win the first three states. That happened in 2012 uh, in the, on the Republican side. But I, I, I just think you have a situation in this latest Iowa poll that came out from the Register speaks to this in that, You've got uh, no candidate has really ironed out alone a base except for one, Pete Buttigieg, which is the white Subaru driving coexist bumper sticker having suburban cul-de-sac litter. Okay, and <laughs> and 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 if you want to know how many of those there are in Iowa, that's Pete Buttigieg's base. He has no other base anywhere else uh, in the state of Iowa. That's his base. So just a bunch of white suburbanites that want you to know they're not homophobes, so they're voting for guilt. Um, but for the other candidates that can actually win this nomination. They're splitting each other's factions. And when you have that, you're going to have a free-for-all. You know, I think that you look at a Joe Biden. His number one argument is electability. Well, if you're going to finish third or fourth in Iowa, I, I mean, what does that do to your electability argument? I do think when we get one of the problems all the other candidates have is they don't have any substantive black support in this party. And, and while black voters do not make up the percentage of voters in the Democratic side, white evangelicals do on the Republican side, it's really difficult to get to a majority of Democrat voters without black support. He's the only one that has them. So in, in, in this crazy year, if my predictions sound nuts, consider this. The oldest white the oldest looking, sounding white guy in the race who comes across incompetent most days is the only one who has really any black support. So there you go. Okay. And, wow. And and, and and if he can just stay alive, if he can get to those to South Carolina and all those southern states that come in on Super Tuesday, he could certainly win enough of those. It wouldn't give him the nomination, but it would keep him alive to a convention. And then then I think whoever emerges from those first four states between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Whoever cancels the other out is going to win California. And if you've got Joe Biden winning the old Democratic Party and you have Bernie Sanders and or Elizabeth Warren winning the current Democratic Party, that is the prescription for a brokered convention.
0: So you have Pete Buttigieg winning uh, Iowa, Bernie Sanders, New Hampshire, Elizabeth Warren, Nevada, and then uh, Biden in South Carolina.
6: And I still think even though Buttigieg's numbers have dipped quite a bit in that Iowa poll, the reason he could possibly still win is how strong Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are. You know, we talked last week, I talked about the fact of Elizabeth Warren's dipping, that when they get into that caucus room and they start straw polling each other, those leftists huddle together like, hey, we, we you know uh, we either hang together or we hang separately here. One of these guys or gals has got to go. Well, if they both go in there with a reasonable chance expectation of winning – it's going to be really difficult to have that kind of a conversation, and I could see the socialists or the Soviets uh, – because they're both socialists, Freudian slip – I could see the Soviets and, and, the, and the more softer side of Sears' version that Elizabeth Warren represents kind of canceling each other out. And then I could see a Pete Buttigieg with 19, 20, 21, 22 percent eking out a small victory here. that would have to be his scenario.
1: It's interesting, Steve, because what you described with the first four states is the dream scenario of one Michael Bloomberg, who is currently running basically unopposed in the Super Tuesday states and throwing a quarter of a billion dollars at at that. If this comes together, does he make a dent? Does he win a couple of these states?
6: He doesn't represent either Democratic Party. I think Michael Bloomberg's long term game here is he is he is. I think he's game planning that this thing goes all the way to Milwaukee. And they have to come out of here with and – and, and you have to understand, Bloomberg comes from this old political model. Forty percent of people are Republicans. Forty percent are Democrats. And elections are won by the 20 percent in the middle. And Barack Obama and social media wrecked all of that. National elections are now determined by who can frame the battlefield for the most max-based turnout. Mitt Romney is the first candidate ever to win independence in 2012 and lose an election. So, so that, that model is antiquated. But I think he's operating on that model, and he's going by, hey, they got to come out of a convention with some kind of compromise candidate, and maybe that could be me.
0: And you say that there's going to be a move at the convention to nominate Michelle Obama as the compromise candidate.
6: Yeah, she's the most logical name. But, you know, you don't leave a 70,000-square-foot palatial estate where Martha's Vineyard or whatever they just bought in order to get in order to get called, uh, you know, trashy Michelle by Trump on Twitter for three months. You're not doing that. So I think I think that'll be the the fantasy of, you know, several on on cable news networks uh, and within the uh, the leftist intelligentsia. And it will be entertained there quite heavily. But I don't think that she will she's going to come off the bench uh, and and take that kind of a beating, because right now she can say whatever she wants, do whatever she wants, make as much money as she wants and have none of the daily grind of actually being a candidate.
0: So th- um, when she's not the candidate, you believe it will be? I think it will be Bernie
6: Sanders, because if you go to a brokered convention, there's two ways you win there, guys. One way is you're everybody's second, second safe choice. There isn't one of those in this, in this race. There's, there's nobody everybody else looks at and says, all right, I guess we can handle that. And so if you're not going to win with a second safe choice, Then it's triumph of the will, if you get the analogy uh, reference I'm making. And you win with a hammer and a sickle and an iron uh, iron fist, and you, you scare the hell out of the system with a mobocracy. You know, if you look at Wisconsin, that's where a lot of the modern leftist mobocracy that we have come to know today was born. Going after Scott Walker, that base of people is still there that is native to that is a native tongue uh, to Bernie Sanders as an Alinskyite. and so I think you you scare the Democrats to death with we're going to make chicago sixty eight look like it's a small world after all wow. okay when it's closed or you give us the nomination and, and and so since they don't have a logical second candidate that would be a rallying uh, point for various the various Uh, constituencies in their confederacy, then I think it becomes a, a, you know, a mobocracy game. And I can't see anybody edging Bernie Sanders out where that's concerned.
0: Okay, he's not finished yet. Uh, we're going to take a one-minute break and then back with the rest of how he says this is all going to play out. You can listen to Steve every day on the Blaze Radio and TV Network. Just sign up for Blaze Media. Just go to TV.com slash Glenn. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Uh, and uh, use the promo code Glenn, and you're going to save 10% on your subscription. We have all of the real conservative voices uh, here that you are looking to listen to. Steve is just one of them every day following this program on the blaze radio network so here's where your predictions get a little um interesting uh, more specific and frightening a bit uh first you say that sanders is going to name uh a vice presidential candidate that will not be from the middle
6: No, he won't. And, you know, I do these predictions for our sites every year. And in 2016, I correctly predicted Hillary Clinton was going to nominate Tim Kaine because that's in her That's in her nature. Find a swing state. She wants to really be a Wellesley College. She wants to be Elizabeth Warren. But in the end, she's really a bra burning technocrat. She wants to win more than anything else. So go find a nice looking senator from a swing state and put him on the ticket. You have to go with candidate's nature. If you're Bernie Sanders and you conquer the Democratic Party, you're not even a registered Democrat. And you conquer this party and you conquer them at the convention. The last thing you're going to do is, is, is you know go get some you know uh, middle of the road congressman from Indiana to balance the ticket. No, no, you you've come this far. You're not showing restraint now. You're you're going to plant the flag. And so I think he goes for intersectionality with Catherine Cortez Matos out of Nevada. Uh, who is essentially um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's grandmother, for lack of a better description, mm. and a former left-wing trial lawyer, attorney general? She's from a swing state that was that just swung over. That's the one state. You know, we had all these warning signs of early voting amongst Hispanics in swing states in 2016, and how that was going to doom Trump. And it never came to fruition except in one state. And that one state is in Nevada. That's the one swing state that tipped because of an early surge of, of Hispanic voting. And I think you see Bernie Sanders double down from there.
0: Uh, now, you say the deep state doubles down because they see this is, this is a free-for-all.
6: Yeah, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I used to be when I was a kid, and, and then I realized human nature is often given too much credit. I'm also, though, not a huge fan of just ignoring what I'm actually seeing in front of my face, Glenn. Mm
2: -hmm. And we
6: have watched the last couple of years, you know, marauding rapist hoaxes for Supreme Court justices, collusion hoaxes, Ukrainian call hoaxes, hoax, hoax, hoax. Uh, The guy in Iran, uh, you know, Salami or whatever the hell his name is, (laughs) is, you know, venerated and revered. And and so if you're going to go this far and and, and the the generic process produces the American Jeremy Corbyn. And you know that guy's not going to win a general. I, I don't know when you've been willing to use the levers of government with your thumb on the scale from behind the scenes, and there are willing media platforms that are going to let you do it out there on the left. I, I don't know why you'd hold up now. So, so I think like those bureaucrats that came out and testified at the, the impeachment hearing, whose grounds for impeachment really was, I didn't like Trump's foreign policy. I think you're going to see them just like openly now leak secrets, openly leak sources, openly attempt to, uh, you know, uh, 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 sabotage American foreign policy. And I wouldn't be shocked if you saw the Federal Reserve in the third quarter of this year attempt to put its thumb on the scale economically unless you see a slowdown. Because if, if, if you're going to go this far in trying to discredit an administration and the people it appoints, right when, right when the American people are potentially about to give it another four years, I, I don't know why you'd suddenly decide, you know what? Maybe we should let the people rule after all. I I don't think that's human nature either.
0: And even though you call for even more turmoil than what you just said, your number one prediction is Trump wins.
6: Trump's going to win because the Democratic Party learned, well, there's two reasons he's going to win. The economy. We just don't get rid of presidents when the economy is going this well. That's just historic. Number two is the Democrat, the left in America spent. And I'm guessing you got these calls, too. When they called people who were on the right, who were real conservatives and hesitant to support Trump four years ago, they called a bunch of us. I was on the McNeil-Lair NewsHour, for goodness sakes, the day after the election. Just one 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 example. Wanting to know, what did we miss? What did we miss? They spent about 48 hours of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. And then they decided, like John Lithgow says in the new Pet Cemetery movie, the ground is bad. They decided the American people are bad. And so I don't think there's any self-awareness forthcoming at all. And they're just going to nominate their own Jeremy Corbett.
0: Agree. Agree with you. Um, All right, Steve, thank you so much. The Steve Day Show is uh, on uh, the Blaze Radio and Television Network. Just subscribe now, blazetv.com.
1: This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program.
7: Born on February 10, 1964, Glenn Edward Lee Beck became accustomed to entertaining large audiences from birth. In fact, he was the 13th most visited child in the hospital the week he was born. Glenn grew up like any young man, watching Shirley Temple movies, organizing tea parties for his collection of dolls, and getting beaten to a pulp by neighborhood boys and girls. All activities he continues to enjoy to this day. Glenn's father was a baker. Thus, Glenn's unquenchable passion for pastry. It was believed by many that this would make Glenn into the family's best baker to date. But one day, Father Beck returned to his bakery only to find that Glenn had eaten an entire year's worth of powdered sugar and was actually bathing in a vat of cream raspberry sauce. This incident led Glenn away from baking and toward his other love, broadcasting. It was also the first time that an entire industry filed a restraining order against one individual. (laughs) All right. From this point on, the ugly face of alcohol began to peer its head into Glenn's life. Mm -hmm. It began at his first job interview. Just minutes before the interview began, a full 12-pack of Budweiser was ingested by the program director who eventually hired him. His next job interview was with a program director who was receiving vodka via IV. And come on, 970 WFLA, Sue Tricus must have been drunk. (laughs) Later, Glenn got a young blonde named Tanya Colonna drunk. Now she is Tanya Beck. And with every year, his experience continues to grow. Along with his ego and his stomach. Hmm. And Sue Tricus? Well, she's still drunk.
0: (laughs) All right, it's the 20th anniversary week of the uh, broadcast. I believe this was the uh, anniversary of the day I first wanted to fire Jeffy. And I can still remember it, mm-hmm. looking at him, shaking his head like, you suck, on the other side of the glass. And you get reminded of it now every day you yes. see him. Yeah. Every day I still see still, him. Yeah. I, somehow or another I've not been able to <laughs> shake that guy. Uh, and, uh, and also uh, Stu, who has been with me. And on this 20th anniversary week, I think it is only appropriate that we make a special announcement on Stu very
1: excited to mm-hmm. bring to BlazeTV.com, uh, as well as YouTube and uh, podcasts, anywhere you go, a brand new program uh, featuring myself, Stu. It's going to be Stu uh, hosting the show. It's going to be about America, and I'm going to be doing things on the show. Mm-hmm. And that's how we came up with the title, Stu Does America.
0: Uh-huh. And uh, something
1: America desperately needs that is, right now. I mean, mm-hmm.
0: Debbie did Dallas. Right. Why not you do America? We're expanding a little bit. Yes. Again, you can't just bit. focus
1: on your little area.
0: Right. You really need to. Uh, sure.
1: The whole country needs this. Really
0: excited about this. Yeah. Uh, fun Stu fun. is uh, doing his own uh, daily show. He will still be on this program. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll just, I don't know, be more tired. <laughs> uh, than, uh, than usual. And I already look so perky so good. every day. We thought if there's somebody that needs to be on television, it's one of us. Oh. And I'm already there. So, Stu, it's your turn.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's going to be a TV show every every night, um, as well as a podcast that you can get uh, for free on YouTube uh, or on your podcast. And okay. I would I would encourage you to go to... Uh, you, the YouTube page, uh, or go to stewdoesamerica.com. All the social links and everything are there. Uh, and sign up and
0: subscribe so somebody's listening to this thing and not just talking to nobody. And it'll be uh, kind of in our comedy uh, roster. We have Steven Crowder. Yeah, uh, and awesome. And, uh, and Stu will be adding Chad Prather uh, as well. Chad Prather is mm-hmm. really, really funny. Yeah. And we thought, mm, you know... Hey, hire a vet, hire the handicap. Well, oh, i do Yeah, you're not going to hit you're not going to hit home runs on every every pitch. No, you, no, you know, you're and, certainly and, not. And it's <laughs> uh you just hope to get hit by the pitch and get on base. If you love Jon Stewart and the Daily Show, you're not going to like this. But <laughs> but if you like Trevor Noah, you're still not going to like this. Uh you'll be like, "Where's the humor?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but well, it's it's actually uh it's actually a a comedy show with that's smart uh, and will help people digest the news of the day uh, well, with, uh, with humor. It's something we've tried to do here. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people have told
1: us over the years that perhaps it's not the best idea. But we have decided uh, to try to treat the audience as if they are intelligent. Now, we don't know everyone in the audience. There could be a lot of really stupid people there. No, oh, I'm How, sure there are. Every audience. It has to be some. You can't have
0: 50 million, a footprint of 50 yeah. million people and not have some real dummies. Oh, it has got to be yeah. a ton of morons. It's not you. Uh, <laughs> not, if you're listening right now, it's not you. not you. It's the a, people probably. with uh, with last hour, you, you are the smart ones. They're the dummies. You're special. Yeah. You're special. You make a difference. You
1: get a trophy. (laughs) Those (laughs) people suck. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, that is a different thing, I think, than you're getting across the media landscape right now. I mean, look, you can get some conservative content, and there's a lot of great stuff out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's been, I think, a, a... Um, A lack of this in the media as a whole that anyone who's going to admit that conservatism isn't uh, the same thing as Nazism or racism, Mm -hmm. you go to the media it's hard to find that. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find stuff that, you know, a lot of times you just kind of get either something that's uh, entertaining or something that has uh, some intelligence to it, mm-hmm. we're going to try to do both of those things. But we promise, almost never the fusion of entertainment and, and enlightenment. enlightenment. However, we promise never to do both at the same time because that's yeah. overwhelming. We'll right. give you one of <laughs> one the or two, other. and we'll clearly define them yeah.
0: for everybody in a Soros organization. Yes, yeah, so they can just yeah. they can protest the yeah. right organizations. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, this is why a lot of the humor is is. Uh, gone from the right because you, well, hey, there's a lot of unfunny people on the right. <laughs> um, not you. No, you You're are funny. funny. You are funny. You are special. Funny. You're better than them. Um, but it, it's almost impossible to do humor um, because you. Th- they'll destroy you. They'll destroy you. Yeah. And if you happen to be an old listener of mine, you know we've had to strip back a lot of the comedy. Uh, on this program because it just you, we could not survive with it they were killing us every step of the way that's why we built the blaze mm-hmm. and that's why we can do whatever the hell we want to do <laughs> on the blaze and yeah enjoy it yeah seriously this is a great
1: reason to subscribe to it i mean if you go to blazedv.com you can use the promo code actually you can use the promo code Stu. As of today, uh, use the promo code Stu. I think they're, I think they're doing some special or something off of there. Maybe I don't know some extra money off. Go ahead, do that.
0: I think we um, pay you if you
1: subscribe right, for the Stu will... Show. We pay you. <laughs> you. I think. I'm not sure. I mean, you could do it over and over again and get really yeah. rich. So do yeah, it. Do Try it. it. See it. if it works.
6: The Blaze Radio Network on demand.